if you're human and you deal with your emotions and you're dealing with other people, NLP is a fundamental tool for living a productive and happy life. Welcome back to Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. I'd say hey to the gang, but I'm the gang, so it's a solo show today, although I do have a fabulous guest. So you're listening to Jamie, and I am sitting here with the beautiful and talented Sonia Furlong. And I've actually had the pleasure of studying with Sonia. So Sonia is actually the founder of Center for Life Therapies, where she teaches life and business coaching, meditation, matrix therapies, hypnosis, and NLP, which is specifically what we're here to talk about today. So what is NLP? It's short for neuro-linguistic programming. And if you're not familiar, you will be by the end of the show. Suffice it to say, it is one of the best kept secrets of highly effective people. Oh, you know, some little known folks like Barack Obama, Tony Robbins, Oprah Winfrey, and beyond. They all use NLP. So when I learned about it, I decided I wanted to get certified in it too. And I heard Sonia was the coach. So I signed up for her course at the Center for Life Therapies in Australia. Yes, even though I knew this would mean I'd be committed to class via Zoom for seven days from, get this, are you ready? 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. I had an inkling, though, it was going to be worth it, and boy, was I right. It was life-changing, so I decided to bring Sonia and all of her brilliance to you. So a little more about Sonia before I welcome her in. She started her career spending 15 years in the Australian film industry, a path which allowed her to travel the world and even receive the Australian Academy Award for a film she produced called The Kiss. Sonia then spent five years as an event manager, creating memories of a lifetime for her delegates, including helicopters over Stonehenge and horse-drawn carriages through the city of London. You know, she's just had a really boring career over there. These careers taught Sonia strong interpersonal skills, creative thinking, strategic management, and negotiation. Over time, Sonia was teaching and practicing meditation, finding it to be a rock in her ever-changing life. She studied life coaching and other modalities such as hypnosis and business coaching, and she wanted to create a business that combined meditation, yoga, and life coaching to introduce others to the power of these healing modalities. In 2017, she began her business, Sonia Furlong Life Coaching, and due to the success at that business, she expanded in 2019 to launch the Center for Life Therapies. As a life coach, therapist, meditation teacher, and trainer of NLP and matrix therapies, Sonia is dedicated to providing the best and latest advances in personal development to help her clients. The goal is to heal their past and move confidently into their desired future. She believes everyone can have a better life. Based on this philosophy, Center for Life Therapies helps women and men who are going through many difficult and diverse transitions in their life, career dissatisfaction, disconnected relationships, life after empty nest or retirement, life after loss, teenagers navigating into adulthood, the emotional trauma from a health crisis, just to name a few. So listen to today's show if... You have no clue what NLP is, but you're curious. Or maybe you're like me. Maybe you've heard about NLP a lot lately, and you're low-key curious about this thing that all the great leaders and coaches are using, and you're wondering how you could leverage it too. Or you'd like to be a more tuned-up professional, a more emotionally intelligent human, or simply a more nuanced human amongst humans. Welcome, Sonia. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for that wonderful, warm introduction. So happy to be here. 
I could listen to your accent all day. Can I just say that? It's like music to my ears. It's it's just beautiful. And obviously you are Australian. So I will just back up a minute to reground us in the genesis of our relationship, even though I touched on it in the intro, because we were introduced by a friend and business associate, Ethan Cassiotis. And he was on a call. I was on a call with him and he was like, oh, let me ask you a question. You're a coach. You're an entrepreneur. Are you trained in NLP? And I looked at him like, what the hell is that? (laughs) He was like, oh, Jamie, it's time, girl. Like you must learn NLP and you have to study with Sony for a long. And so I did. And like, funny enough, in the time since I did the certification with you, it really seems it's all I hear about. Like everywhere I go, I was just at a professional speaker development weekend, like a boot camp with all of these leaders amongst leaders. And every single person was like, oh, are you trained in NLP? Are you trained in NLP? And I was like, uh-huh. So it's, it literally comes up once a week. So can you start by telling us first and foremost, for those who don't have any idea, what is NLP? Yes. Great question. NLP, it stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. So neuro, it's the mind, it's the mind-body connection. Linguistic is our language and not only how we speak to others, but perhaps even more importantly, how we speak to ourselves. And then programming is our habits, our behavior, what comes from the mind and our language and then how we act out in life. So if we can change any of these aspects, we're going to change our life. And so NLP is about, it's the study of success. It's the instruction manual. So we have got this powerful computer inside of us and our mind, and most of us don't have the instruction manual. It's like that didn't come with the packaging. We've got no idea how to use it. And so we're dragged around by our mind, you know, and our emotions and depression and anxiety and stress. And we've got no idea how to manage our life. And NLP gives you the instruction manual. Here's how you manage your life. Here is why you're feeling this way. Here is how you're perceiving reality. Here is how you can change the way you feel on your command. It should be taught in schools. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. such a fundamental foundation for living your life successfully. I love that, Sonia. And you know what I found that I found so interesting was that a lot of it was intuitive. However, I was just completely turned off. Like, uh, like I, it was like the, the on switch wasn't flipped on. Exactly. Some of it was intuitive. Like we will get into like some things about like rapport and whatnot, and we'll get into that specifically. So people know what I'm talking about. That is somewhat intuitive, but I was never paying attention to it. So I wasn't harnessing the power of it. So if someone's new to NLP, where should they begin? Like, I feel like rapport is almost like maybe 101 basics, right? Yeah. And, it's, and what does that mean? That's right. It's funny you say that because it is one of the first things we teach in the class. So the ability to build instant connection with someone, with anyone you meet, you know, you don't have to know them, like them, trust them, you can build that connection that you have with a good friend, you can build that instantly with anyone. And sensory acuity, you may remember, that was like the very first exercise after we did all the foundations of NLP and the goal setting and everything, then it's like, we've got to learn to be able to read people that just by looking at them, they're giving us so much information about what they're thinking, what they're feeling, if they're listening, if they're taking it in. And we teach that in NLP. So you have this wonderful 101, as you say, in building relationships with people and understanding how to communicate with someone. 
who may have a very different communication style to us, and that doesn't matter. We've got the bridge of tools to be able to build connection with anyone. And we're humans. So like, yeah, so let's talk about sensory acuity, rapport, and even like, honestly, the eye patterns. Yes. Like, the fact that I can now, so, okay, we're going to talk about them individually, but let me just say something on eye patterns. You taught me how to understand by the way that somebody's eyes move. And this is something that they're not doing intentionally. It's just your eyes move in one direction when you're thinking back and visualizing a memory from the past. And they move another direction if you're, you know, forecasting something in the future. They move another direction if you're lying. Like this is how, you know, cops are trained. Police are trained to interrogate suspects. So there's obviously a lot of validity to it. So tell me a little bit about, okay, say you're meeting somebody brand new what are some things you should be looking to do to kind of evaluate them and then kind of size them up and then get in rapport with them, which basically means making them feel like, okay, I'm comfortable with this person, but they don't even know why they're feeling that way, but they know you've kind of done something to make them feel at ease. Yeah. Uh, good question. So first of all, you want to take a baseline measure where you just sit back and you just observe them without judgment. You just observe, okay, oh, their energy is a little bit low or um, they look fidgety or they look stressed or you're just looking at them. Yeah, they might be just, oh, they look really calm and happy. And then you can very gently match your behavior to theirs. So I give the example, if someone comes into the room and they're all flustered and like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, I'm running late. Instead of going, uh, I don't care, sit down, which breaks rapport and makes them feel like, oh, God, I've done something wrong, you can gently meet them like, oh, that's okay, don't worry about it, just come on in. And they feel like, oh, this person is like me, they get me, and they feel instantly comfortable with you. And then once you've matched them, then you can pace and lead them and then you can calm down and go have a seat so how's your day and then they will match unconsciously they will match your calm demeanor likewise pace and lead that exactly because I I remember even with my own mom like when I was growing up and she would you know if I was depressed as moody teenagers often are she would just go overboard with being her happy energetic self and it pissed me off. That's correct. Right? And I and I think we too do that in much marriage. Of a disconnect. It was too much of a disconnect. And it was almost like patronizing. Yes. And I think in marriage, we can do that too accidentally. But wouldn't it be smarter to try to subtly match your partner's mood and then pace them down or up yes. to meet, to, to bring them where you want to be? Exactly right. And it's amazing how when you first match them, And it doesn't mean if they're depressed, you need to make yourself depressed. It just means lowering your energy a little bit. Like you said, your mum would be overhyped trying to bring you up. If she would just bring it down, it's like, hey, honey, what's going on today? Talk to me, you know, and then make a little joke, make you smile, do something to just gradually bring you up again. The person, they feel heard, they feel respected and understood and then they are naturally going to match you. It's unconscious, that connection that we have, that like two friends have, it's unconscious. And you can simulate that by knowing what you're doing and create that connection with anyone. 
It's fascinating. It and certainly it's fascinating when you get into the subject of selling and negotiating, yes. because of course we can use this in business. So what does that kind of look like? And, and I mean, cause I am hearing it all the time now and maybe people were talking about it before, but I just never knew what it was, and, but yeah. it seems like I'm hearing about it more and more in business. Like people are starting to be turned on to it. And I love what, what you say there too, because it's that, you know, we talk about the reticular activation system and we talk about how we, all this information, you know, there's 2 million bits of information coming at us per second, 2 million bits of information. And we filter it. We have to because consciously we can only take in up to 134 bits. When you imagine 2 million and you see 134, it's a tiny fragment of reality of what's coming at us every second. So like you say with NLP, now you hear it all the time. All those conversations were happening before as well, but you filtered them out because it, it wasn't relevant to you. It didn't, it didn't mean anything. But now that it means something to you, you are hearing it everywhere where someone else who would be standing next to you who didn't know about NLP wouldn't be hearing it. So it's just fascinating how reality yes. works and how none of us are really seeing reality. We're only right. seeing a tiny fragment of it according to what we're interested in and what we believe in. So that is already just, I just love that concept. And uh, sorry, I forgot what your original question was. Totally. <laughs> and it was selling and negotiating. Selling right? and so negotiating. Yeah. Around, like, you you told me in, in the course that Barack Obama is one example. Yes. And, and in my research, I found that, you know, Tony Robbins and yes. Oprah and all of these different people, by the way, as do cult leaders and people with nefarious intentions. Yes. I'd like to maybe even pair these two questions together because I've been hearing it a lot in, in podcasts I listen to about cult leaders. Yes. So we do know the power of NLP can be harnessed for good or evil. And obviously the underlying point is it works and it's very powerful. So what do you make of all of this? Like, is it true that NLP can be manipulative? Is it brainwashing? Or are we just kind of accessing human communication nuances that most people ignore? And if we use it for good, then we can be really great salespeople. And if we use it for bad, we could just like start a cult. <laughs> <laughs> I love this question. Such an important question because people do. And, and students sometimes say, what do I say? I was talking about NLP at work and they're telling me that I'm in a cult. You know, <laughs> and it's like, all right, let's just lay some foundation stones here. Number one, what I love about NLP is particularly the founders. There were many pioneers of NLP. The two that really led the formation of NLP was Professor John Grinder and Dr. Richard Bandler. And their whole premise for every single thing they did in NLP was to increase a person's freedom and choice and to empower a person to have more freedom and choice available to them. So that's number one, that NLP, the genesis of it is to increase people's freedom and to increase their choices, not to take it away. Number two, there are 14 what we call presuppositions of NLP. They're like the foundation stones. I call them the commandments, but they're just like the pr principles of NLP. And number one, the very first principle of NLP is respect for the other person and their model of the world, what they believe in. So the cornerstones of NLP is respect, empowering people with more freedom, more choice. It's certainly the opposite of taking away a person's freedom. 
And so it's like NLP is a tool. So you could have a hammer and you can use it to hang up the most beautiful Rembrandt or Picasso painting up on the wall and give pleasure to millions of people at a museum. Or you could use a hammer to hit someone in the head with it and injure them. The hammer is neutral. The hammer is innocent. Yeah, it's like money. Money is innocent and it can be used to give medicine to the poor or it can be used to put landmines in the ground and kill innocent people. But the money itself is neutral and NLP is neutral. And so, yes, you know, some people will use it or use principles of it or are very controlling uh, and they will start a cult, you know. Like I know in that document, there's a documentary where one of the experts mentions, oh, they used NLP, you know, to create this cult. And it's like on its own, you can't brainwash anyone. All you can do is you can use it to influence, but to create a cult, to brainwash someone, there's other specific elements that are needed. One is that you isolate people away from their loved ones so they don't have their influence. You deprive them of sleep by keeping them Mm -hmm. super busy. You give them pain if they do something against what you want them to do and you reward them with pleasure if they do what you tell them to do. So all of these factors have to be at play for someone to be able to be brainwashed. So NLP on its own is simply an instrument that we can use to be more empowered and give ourselves more freedom and choice. Fortunately, 99.9% of all NLP practitioners do it for good and do it to help other people. And by the way, I mean, and maybe this makes me like a a shifty, shady person, but knowing that cult leaders use NLP doesn't make me want to learn it less. It makes me want to learn it more. I just know that I'm not going to be a cult leader. Exactly. But if it's not powerful, imagine what you could use it for good. good. You know what I mean? Like, because I hear it all the time that cult leaders know NLP. And I think about that often. Somebody who's a cult leader, obviously, especially some of these people who lead cults are these schmoes. So you're yes. like, how did this loser get all these people to really listen to his message? Now, unfortunately, maybe his his or her message wasn't a good one, but it is really remarkable. And if, you know, if something like this was a little bit at the, the core of it, I'm listening. I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, we have the people like, you know, your Barack Obamas and your Oprah Winfrey and mm. your Tony Robbins, who are some of the most powerful people in the world. And they are just a human being who has accessed something very special within So how do you think people like that have harnessed it to garner such incredible success? And like what types of people in industries could be most helped by leveraging the power of NLP? Yes. Yes. And I just want to finish also saying like with the cult leaders, it all comes down to intention. You know, Mm -hmm. it's the intention of the user, like with money, like with the hammer, like with any tool. It comes down to their intention. And before NLP was created, which it was it was created in the 70s and 80s, you know, there was Hitler, there was Pol Pot, there's Mm -hmm. been a million tyrannical leaders who didn't know NLP and still managed to brainwash countries and and people. Absolutely. Yeah. So the NLP, it's, it's a neutral tool. So into your question of who is it best for, and, you know, I really believe it's a fundamental tool because it teaches a person leadership skills. It increases their emotional intelligence, which is so important, and it increases 
communication skills, as we've talked about with rapport building, and it, it allows a person to choose how they feel at any given moment. So every individual has the power to feel good instantly when they want to feel good. So, which is a wild concept. Which is a wild concept and one that so many people would benefit from, having these tools in their pocket to be able to make themselves feel better and therefore make others feel better as well. So I really believe it's something that everyone, I know it's like, you know, you know, like, you know, when you have your avatar of, oh, who's this ideal person? It's like right. everyone's a bit broad, but it's really, yeah. if you're human sure. and you deal with your emotions and you're dealing with other people, NLP is a fundamental tool for living a productive and happy life. You know, I'm speaking a lot as a keynote speaker lately about return to work and just employee engagement in general and, and disengagement, you know, because the studies are showing that people are just incredibly disengaged with work, but meanwhile, they don't want to go back to the office. They're like, I'm working so great from home, but meanwhile, they're doing quiet quitting and they're like, I, it's all just backwards. And to be honest, you know, it's a difficult conversation because it's very emotionally charged. And when I try to sometimes inspire people to get excited about the gains of, of being able to go back to work, especially with hybrid working environments, I think it's a little nuts how much people <laughs> are so fully resistant. It's like, well, it wasn't like you just were guaranteed you could just go home forever. It was a pandemic and now <laughs> it's not. Yes. But my point is that I really believe in the power of interpersonal communication and the power of learning how to navigate life skills in a professional environment as something that really contributes to your holistic happiness and overall satisfaction and pride with your life, right? Like discipline matters, all of these things matter. And I think having NLP as a tool in your return to work toolkit could be something that could help people go back in feeling a little better armed. Because quite frankly, I think people are scared to go back because they've lost some of these life skills for just literally showing up and conducting themselves in public, to be perfectly frank. So what do you think about that? And what do you, how do you think it could be helpful for people in this like really highly charged? I don't know if you're having it as much there in Australia, we are, but in yes. America, trying to get people back into the office, yes. like entire workforces are threatening to quit and not like, like, like the entire staff at the New York Times and the entire like General Motors workforce. Like, it's not like, you know, nobody's, it's like people in very high positions that are just so resistant. Yes. So what do you think, how do you think we can maybe apply some of these skills into this new world and the future of talent? It really is a new world. Who would have thought, yeah, that COVID-19 would have created this new world where people want to work from home? And, and there's different ways you could look at it. But number one, I've worked with a lot of people who um, are particularly in the pandemic where, you know, they had to get the vaccine and they didn't want it and so they weren't allowed back in the office. And so being able to sit with someone and, unpack, okay, what it, what's the genesis of these fears? What's really going on here? Because, you know, the surface problem is you never usually the real problem. So getting mm. to the real problem, being able to ask powerful questions, which we teach in the linguistics part of NLP, to really unpack for a person, what's really the source of your concern here? What is really going on? And now let's address that. And so I've been able to get a lot of people over their fears of going back into the office and going back by being able to really address the root cause of their concerns, which is often not the surface level concern. 
So that's on one level. And then on the other level, there is this side of there is a new normal and things are never going to go backwards. Uh They're moving forwards and there's there's owners of these companies are going to have to accept that this is a new era and new rules and new levels of engagement and a new way of doing things and making that work. We're never, who yes. knew, we're never going back to 2019. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm in full agreement, And I think that there is a, a hybrid happy medium that we will yes. all have to align on. But yes. I guess in terms of NLP and thinking of, you know, so much of this being really human to human and the way that we communicate and that being so different on Zoom, And again, thinking back to the influencing, selling and negotiating chapter in our coursework and the course I took with you yes, and seeing how people effectively use NLP in business and it being so based on, you know, interpersonal skills. I'm wondering what you think about maybe us losing some of that. Yeah, I think it's more people need to go back to, like you say, people have forgotten how to connect with each other face to face. And they've got this. Is that when you were asking their qu- the questions to them, like what's it really about? And you were doing some of this work with actual people. Is that some of what you were uncovering? I found in every instance, it was a very personal fear. It sort of had, in the end of the day, it had nothing to do with other people, had nothing to do with the company. It was always a personal experience, a very internal world that they were suffering, which is actually how we live. Yes. You know, we can be living in uh, this beautiful country. You know, here I am in Sydney, the harbour is right there, lovely sunshine, water, wealth, money with, you know, health. And yet we can be in an inner torment of depression and anxiety and stress of our own creation. And so everyone's in their own creation of their own prison of what's possible and their own limitations of what's possible and they need education and the NLP is at the foundation of all that education to teach them that actually it's okay. They can emerge, they can grow, expand the the walls of their limitations and move back into a more engaged life where they're actually back in back meeting other people and sitting exactly next to them in an office. <laughs> yeah. isn't, that, isn't that terrifying? So another thing that we studied in the duration of my coursework was matrix therapies. Yes. So we did, uh, so remind me, in the, we did a seven day course with, I think it was four days was NLP, three days was matrix therapy. Five days, right? five days NLP, five, two days, five days was NLP. Yes. And two days was matrix therapies. Yes. By the way, if anybody out there is listening and interested in taking this coursework. I, I honestly, for it to, I mean, I'm not particularly a night owl anymore. I, I was when I was in my 20s. I was a party animal, but I'm a mom of two. It takes a lot to keep me engaged and staying awake until three o'clock in the morning. I am telling you, first of all, Sony don't mess around. She's like, when, at the end of every like section of our coursework, we went into a breakout room and we would workshop these new principles that we were learning. And like, there's no shutting off your camera on the Zoom. Like no you way. have to be present yes. because you're getting certified in something. This is not just like a easy breezy. This is like a class and you're getting certified. So I took this coursework very seriously and it kept me wrapped and engaged 
from seven o'clock at night until three o'clock in the morning for seven days in a row. I, I was literally very sad when the course ended. I had such a good time because it was that fascinating. So we had done the five days of NLP and then we moved into matrix therapies, which I got to be honest, when I had first signed up, I didn't know what that was. Can you share with people what that is? Yes, it is a timeline technique uh, and timeline came in sort of later in the NLP evolution. And then a lady, actually an Australian lady, Pip Mackay evolved timeline into matrix therapy. So she'd learned timeline and she realized they still had some kinks in it. It was a little bit, a little bit clunky and she made it more smoother, added a bit more, I guess, spirituality into it. So it is inner child work. It is the understanding that we store our memories in a chronological fashion in the unconscious mind. And we talk a lot about the unconscious mind in NLP, that we have conscious and unconscious mind. And only 4% of our mind is conscious, what were the logical, rational part of us. 96% of our incredible mind is all the unconscious, where our memories live, where our emotions live, you know, that runs the body and our intuition lives. So through uh, Timeline, the, the founders of Timeline and NLP, they realized that we could go back, if we ask the unconscious mind, what was the first event? So if you look at anger and you go, oh, yeah, I'm angry at my husband or I'm angry at my boss or whatever, and then and you go, well, when was the first time you were angry? Consciously, you're not going to know right? You can't remember what happened when you were two years of age. But if you ask your unconscious mind, when was the first time you were angry? It will tell you and it can take you right back into the womb where you were ang- you born with the cord around your neck or something. Which is wild, by Which the is way. wild. A lot, of people, a lot of people might be thinking, I'm sorry, what did she just say? Yeah. But it's like, and, and I was one of them. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm, I'm the first person to be a skeptic on a lot of things. Yeah. So I was like, say what? Yeah. But it was fascinating. Fascinating. And you go back and you clear and heal that inner child. So say you were angry because you were born with a cord around your neck at the time. You don't even remember that, right? But you go back to that little baby and, and heal them. And we do that. And very quickly, it's like 15 minutes, right? The whole process is done and dusted. And then you go back to now and you go, okay, how's that anger now? And you're just like, I just want to give my husband a hug. I don't feel angry at all. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it's this matrix therapies. It's, it's understanding that our emotions are stored along a timeline, which is why it's called a timeline technique. And that if you go back to the first event, you can heal a ton of emotional pain in like 15 minutes instead of sitting in a traditional therapy chair. Oh, let's talk about your anger at your mother and let's sit there for 10 years talking about it mm-hmm. in the conscious mind, talk, 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 which doesn't heal. Healing happens on the deep unconscious level. So timeline is and matrix therapies is such a elegant simple way of healing a ton of negative emotion and limiting belief. So can I, I was going to read something that I actually just pulled up that was something that I had written during the course, which was I had finished the coursework. I had finished one of the exercises in matrix therapies. And I believe you had asked us to write down our, just some remarks. 
and I had written the matrix therapies has been my favorite part yet. As much as I had loved all the techniques leading up to this particular moment, that piece was so highly effective in unpacking and reframing for me and to kind of set me forward in a new direction. So one of the insights that I had gained that I had literally never had before was making this correlation between my own childhood and the way I am as a mother and how some of the things I was resentful of my own mother for are some of the same things I do with my own children. So like some of the, you know, her having to prioritize work and then I, you know, some of the things I want kind of them to just be understanding about and have forgiveness for are things I'm still holding on to resentments towards my own mom about. And all of a sudden I realized in this moment, I was like, oh my God, she was doing the best she could, but it's also okay that I felt slighted. Like I was six, right? I'm a human and I deserve to give myself grace for that. But also I was able to move past it by giving six-year-old me the resources she needed to see things differently. And I had this like real insight and realization. And then I also realized that I wanted to change some of my own patterns and behavior with my kids so I wouldn't make the same mistakes. And like all at once, these struggles of like 42 years were just like at the surface and then bubbled up. And then they were just like, okay, I see it all clearly. Yes. And it was wild. It was just so wild, Sonia. Yes. And it's done in like 15 minutes. All of that happened. <laughs> it's yeah. incredible. It, it's so powerful. And it's beautiful. so powerful. And there was also, and forgive me, I may not remember the name of this exercise, but there was an exercise where I, there was position one, two, and three or A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I stood in one position and I was playing the role of myself. Mm-hmm. This was a resentment I had had with my, with my husband. It's something that we had been arguing about over yes. our parenting files. Yes. And then I stood in his it, like I, I literally turned my physical body as if I was speaking to, to where I had been standing the first time and I was now him and I was speaking as him. And what was coming through was like I was talking as if I was in his brain. I was like, well, I do it this way because of this and because I know what he believes. And all of a sudden it was like I could see things through his eyes. Oh, that yes, the wisdom triangle. Yes, yes, the, the wisdom, wisdom triangle. triangle. Yes, right. Yes. So I mentioned this because some people, if they have never heard of any of this before, they might still be trying to unpack exactly what we're talking about. Yes. And what we're really talking about is that there's so many levels to this, right? So something like NLP, I've now talked about how great entrepreneurs and communicators and coaches use it, but also it can be used to resolve childhood traumas or or, or, or resentment in a marriage. But I think what the grounding message is, is that really any dysfunction or dissatisfaction or limiting belief in your life can be solved by not just sitting and and talking it through in a $200 therapy session for hours on end, but by doing some actual practical mechanical exercises, right? Like where I literally just changed the position of where I was standing in a room and it changed my entire perspective. Yes. But you have to know how to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's correct. It's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Education is power. It's worth investing in our learning and growth. You know, if you go, what's the purpose of life? And people always ask that. What's the purpose of life? You could summarize it simply by saying to learn and grow and help others to learn and grow. It's so simple. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And it's funny, I was saying to somebody the other day, because I I invest quite a lot back in my own personal development, whatever that looks like, time, other resources. I'm not out buying fancy designer bags. I'm investing in myself whenever possible because I'm my most important commodity, right? Exactly. And, And so are you out there. So are you. So anytime that you can grab onto a healing or, you know, developmental modality, 
grab it, right? Like yeah, just grab, grab it. it. Yes. So to that end, and to kind of like round the bend, could you tell us just a little bit more about what you do at the Center for Life Therapies? Because I also, I'm so curious, like hypnosis, people yes. hear hypnosis and you think back to the fifties where people are like, you know, dangling a clock in front of your face. <laughs> what does that really mean? Is that really a thing? Tell us about that. Yes. I love teaching hypnosis and it's such a, a gentle process. There's no clocks involved, but it is a lovely way of just allowing the person to, again, all healing takes place in the unconscious mind, right? Our little rational 4% mind can't we, you know, say like quit smoking, right? We'd be like, I'm going to quit smoking. I'm sick of smoking. It's such a dumb habit. I spend so much money doing it. And we say it, we may quit for a day or six hours or something. And years go by, we're still smoking. And yet then we go into hypnosis and you just talk to the unconscious mind and like, you know, this smoking is really not such a great idea. It's time to stop now. And the unconscious mind, which loves simple direction goes, oh, okay, that's what you want me to do. Okay. Now I understand. And you can make change that's taken 10 years of battle instantly just by talking while the person is in a relaxed state. And we talk about the different brain waves. So they're in beta is when we're here, we are focused talking. And alpha and theta is when a person is relaxed. And we just talk to the unconscious mind and able to make incredible changes that the person wants to make again people see stage shows of hypnosis and they go oh my god if I go to hypnosis session she's going to make me quack like a duck or something bark like a dog bark yeah. like a dog run around in my underwear on stage but no a stage hypnosis is very different these people are extroverts they're chosen because they they want to have a good time and they want to be crazy and they're doing what they want to do and a person will never, ever do something that goes against their values and beliefs. You had said something really interesting. Um, we were talking about, we were maybe talking about NLP, but it sounds like it applies here too, which was that it's kind of like in the movies where, where somebody like distracts the guard and they're like, yes. oh, I'm going to wave my arms and distract the guard. And then the other people kind of like run in behind them. It's like, yes. I'll distract the guard while we run in. Yes. And it's like, that's what you're doing. You're distracting your conscious mind. And then you can get like exactly. the good information and the ability to change your your ways. You exactly. can get it in the back door. Exactly right. Because we've got between the conscious mind and the unconscious mind. If you imagine an iceberg, my favorite picture is the iceberg where you've got the 4% iceberg on the top of the surface that's visual that you can see. Then there's the waterline, which is the gatekeeper, which is what you were talking about. Underneath is the massive iceberg of 96% that people aren't seeing and they're not aware of. That's the unconscious mind. So that waterline, that gatekeeper, that is that bit that makes us skeptical, that makes us judge what is we are going to accept as real or fantasy. So when we're watching a fantasy movie or you're watching Transformers and you're seeing cars change into robots or robots change into cars and you just accept that. Yeah, that's totally normal, right? Because you opened up the gatekeeper and allowed the fantasy in. And so in hypnosis, we're, yeah, we're just, like you say, distracting the conscious mind, opening up the gate so that we can put all the powerful messages into the unconscious mind. Yeah. Fascinating. It is. Fascinating. Well, before I let you go, we have one final section that we always do. And typically my co-hosts call it out, but I'm going to try to take it on today. And Megan, if she was here, would say, 
Karmical. Yes. Okay. So karma is the Sanskrit word for action. So we always ask all of our guests, what is one small action that people could take every day that would make a big result? Yes. Great question. And it would be that, as we've discussed, is to invest in a small way in your constant learning and growth. Listen to a podcast, read a book, you know, read a blog on personal development and a little bit every day will literally change your life for the better. Amen. I love that. So Sonia, where can people find you? I want our listeners to be able to find you on the gram and then subscribe to whatever else you've got going on and possibly sign up for your courses. How can they find you? Yes. So my website is centerforlifetherapies.com. Center spelt the Australian way, which is C-E-N-T-R-E, not E-R, though I think E-R might still work. I did buy that domain as well. And um, uh, I also have, I'm on Linktree as Sonia Furlong, where I've got all my links to everything. Um, So yeah, just come and check me out. And I'm going to be running again Next year, I'm going to run because of, you know, people like yourself with different time zones. I'm going to be running the training internationally in a different way where it's more like one day a week. So then if it's a really crazy at time of day, it's not seven days in a row. <laughs> so. That makes sense. You know what? Between you and me, I lucked out. In, I don't know if this is lucking out, but my kids, it happened to be the week they had COVID. So <laughs> we couldn't go anywhere anyway. So I just thought, you know what? If I have to be home for a week wearing a mask, I might as well just this is be the on week. this computer. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's like looking at the silver lining of things, but I was grateful for that. And I'm grateful for you, Sonia, and for all that you do. Thank you for sharing this with us today. It's fascinating. And everybody at home, make sure you follow along Sonia Furlong, and I will be sharing some of her resources as well. Thank you everyone at home for listening to today's show. If you have more questions, you can always DM us. We are off the gram podcast on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to this show everywhere that podcasts can be consumed so you never miss an episode. See you next time.